Cool. All right. So it worked that time. So we're good. What would uh what would be your ring walk? Music? Yeah. Man, it'd probably be uh number one stunner by the big timers. How's it go? I play it for you. You never heard it. No, no, no. You don't have to play it for me. Just let me hear it. No, 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 no. Let me hear it. Let me hear it. I'm not gonna rap it. I'm not gonna just, do that. Just, come on, just give me one line. Nah, nah. Just give me one line. I, I, I can, I can. Why do are it. you being I'm such a freaking wuss about this? What would, what would your walkout be? I don't know. I was seeing where you went with it. I'm telling you, number one stunner. How's it go? No, no, no. You know me. I don't need no introduction in this. Yeah. Hey, hey, that would be my intro. Yeah. And with that, welcome into the show, everybody. Uh, Britton Harden, Rick Strom. This is installment number two. Uh, Mr. Harden, how are you? I'm doing good today, man. Any day that boxing is playing on mm. more than one network. Yes. Is a lovely day. <laughs> Maybe that could be the walkout song. Like, look, I because that was my walkout song technically. No, it wasn't to my wedding. Really? Oh yeah! Wow. We had we had like uh, it was a COVID backyard wedding. We had probably three musicians of a band because like we had to cap it at a certain number. Obviously, yeah. COVID backyard wedding. I think we had twenty five, twenty eight people, and. They played Lovely Day on the Strings. So, like, and here's the thing. Like, I, I one of my good friends is a uh, two-time Super Bowl winner. His name is Brian McFadden. It was former number one recruit uh, in the country. Great dude. Phenomenal person. And when I asked him what he would play in his headphones, like, in the locker room prior to going out, he said, like, gospel music and church music. Okay. So, my point is, it's different strokes. For sure. Like you can have jazz playing while you're trying to get a set in at the gym because it just calms you. Yeah. Or you could be the rage or steroid guy named Chad who plays like Godsmack. First off, humble brag with the homie that's a two-time Super Bowl winner. We 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 see you. We see you, Rick. No, no, no. No, no, no. Who you're affiliated with. He's a great man. He's nah. one, of the, one of the most perfect human beings aside from yourself. He's a great I'm sure, dude. I'm sure he's a mensch if he's one he's of your He's a best. total mensch. 100% a mensch. Gotta be. I already know. I know your caliber, your caliber of friend, the caliber of guy that you are, you only have menches around you. As one famous hip-hop artist said, less is more, there's plenty of us. Ooh. The circle is small, but it's a damn fine circle. Oh, yeah. It's a bolded circle. Yeah. No new friends. Another rap bar. No, no, no. <laughs> Me? No, 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 no. The reason I ask is because when I saw Tyson Fury make the walk, right? I heard like three different songs. Mm-hmm. And I understand the staple of having Sweet Caroline as that song. Because if you hear not just like a few people, but let's say like a karaoke bar full of Brits. I'm not talking like the random night in New York when Sweet Caroline comes on. I'm talking like Brits. Yeah, for sure. It hits a little different. Oh, yeah. Especially in that venue with 90 plus thousand. And four. 94,000 Brits mm-hmm. in the arena watching two great heavyweight champions or two great heavyweights fight for the lineal heavyweight championship. That had to be a filler. For sure. 94 was the second largest for a boxing event. The first was? The first was? One of the best boxers of all time. Yeah. And he is from? 
Mexico. Julio Cesar Chavez. Correct. It was in 1993. So what I heard from him was like, Sweet Caroline, which honestly reminded, and I know it's like a little tiresome at this point, but it reminded me of when Ricky Hatton would come out. Yeah. And the whole crowd would be blue because he's from Manchester. He loves Manchester City. And Blue Moon would come on. I, and that's a song for me. It just like, it doesn't hit. But when I hear it in that format, in that scenario, slaps. Can I say slaps? Slaps. Yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah. Like when you hear 15,000, 17,000 rowdy Brits in Vegas who made the track and sing Blue Moon, kind of hits different. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a little different. It's a vibe. You know what I'm saying? I think, that that, I think that that is like the quintessential definition of the word vibe. It's like, yeah, you don't get it unless you're there. You know what I'm saying? I remember when somebody was trying to explain EDM music to me. And they were like, bro, you just got to go to a festival. It's a vibe. You'll get it when you get there. You know what I'm saying? And for sure, my first Coachella, I was like, what is this? (laughs) (laughs) Deep cut. Deep cut. So it was Sweet Caroline. It was one other song. And then it was Sex on Fire by Kings of Leon. Oh, first. Okay. Okay. Please. He killed it with first off. I, I I thought his ring walk was fire. The song that you're that you're blanking on is he walked out to Notorious B.I.G. That's what it was. Yeah, he walked out to but, he, but it was a remix of it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So he walks to Biggie, Sweet Caroline for for the hometown crowd. Yeah. And then Sex <laughs> on Fire by Kings of Leon. Deep cut. Like deep cut. His his ring walk was fire. He killed it. What do you think of him sitting on the throne? Over dramatic or cool? Nah, well, much deserved. The pageantry of it. I think that those people deserve that type of ring walk. He is 100% their king. He has right to call himself one of the greatest heavyweights of all time. I'm, I, I consider myself, you know, somewhat of a boxing historian. Um, and the things that you see this man do in the ring and outside of the ring for that point, mm. we've not, many men can't do, right? So for that occasion, I'm sure he would have preferred to be AJ that he was fighting. But for that occasion, to get that many people in the ring, they deserve that type of ring walk and they deserve to see him in that light. A little especially, bit. Especially if this is the last time you see him make that walk. Definitely. We'll get into what Tony Bell, you said about Tyson Fury being in the top five heavyweights of all time a little bit later on at the show. What I saw was this theme that has happened mainly, let's be honest, in European boxing only, where they add a little something to the ring walk. Yeah. They go on a platform. Yeah. First time I saw it, I believe was an AJ fight years back. And then they had Tyson Fury. AJ Klitschko. AJ Klitschko, thank you. In England. In England. There's something about it that is fine. I'm not trying to be too harsh here. Mm-hmm. However, get to the ring already. Come on. Every, oh, every, you're not every, every, everybody's ready. You 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 do the songs like, you know, I'm cool with Tyson having like a few songs. Yeah. I, I'm not trying to pull Larry David here, but it's like three. Eh, it's a little much. So I, I paid the ticket. I'm watching. It takes 40 minutes for them to just get announced and both of them to be in the ring for whoever the ring announcer may be to just say, ladies and gentlemen, already you've killed like 40 minutes for me. Yeah. And I know it's a production, but again, it, it's like, it's like Larry David with like, you get two samples. You don't get three when you go to Baskin Robbins. <laughs> Rick, you're yeah. hitting me with a little bit of grumpy old man here. Let me, tell you <laughs> Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. Yeah. I think, and I'm obviously biased. Yeah, yeah. But when boxing gets it right, when boxing gets it right, right venue, right two opponents, uh-huh. great energy, great vibe. I don't think there's any sport that touches boxing 
on the night when boxing gets it right. The thing that boxing has missed and the reason why Floyd Mayweather, his 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 fights were events mm. was because they were like the Super Bowl for, for fight fans. Oh, for remember, sure. Remember when he used to walk out? Like, I think when he walked out with Maidana, he had a circus with him. He had a right? circus. There was one fight. It might have been the Maidana fight where he had four, like, bulky, grown-ass men carrying him. And he was actually, he was sitting on a throne too, much like Tyson Fury was when he's being carried out on all fours. I don't remember. It wasn't Oscar, but it was, it was earlier than Maidana, but he also came out with that too. That was Baldemir. Yes. That was his Baldemir fight when he came out with the shield. Yeah. A lot of fighters, a lot of fighters have tried to mimic that moment, but that's what I'm saying. Floyd Mayweather understood something back then that a lot of fighters can't make the transition to, you have to sell something. You have to have something to sell, have to have something of interest. Oh, I'm not saying that. No, 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 wait a second. Wait, no, no. But what I'm saying is he was selling, he was putting on a production. He was selling an event. He was, he was adding pizzazz to a otherwise plain and simple, boring ring walk. And who Mm. mastered the ring walk before him? Mike Tyson. No music, just chains clanking in the background, already having a broken sweat, really furious looking. That created a vibe. Mm. Muhammad Ali before him, right? Sometimes he'll walk to the ring, especially when he walked to the ring to uh, for, for um, uh, was it the Rumble in the Jungle, mm-hmm. right? Like the long ring walk with the African music, that meant something. That was pageantry. What Tyson Fury did, was he tapped into that because he understood that those Tyson Fury fans are here for the Super Bowl of boxing and here I'm you. about to put on the show. Hear you. As someone who was not in attendance, mm-hmm. as someone who took time out of their day to watch, at this point, we're like three hours in. Yeah. You could spare me the 40 minutes and cut it into 20. Yeah. You could. Let's say 35. Let's be generous. You could cut it to 20. I want everybody to tap into the comments if you think Rick is being a grumpy old man. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I probably am at this point. All right. So uh, Tyson Fury made the ring walk. Yeah. Right. Dillian White made the ring walk. Dillian White at 34 years old lost this fight. He got knocked out in the sixth round by, let's just call it a brilliant uppercut. It felt like at this point, and I have a quote from Teddy Atlas that I'll read to you in a second, but just to jumpstart, it felt like it was bound to happen at some point, but it wasn't going to reach even 10 with the way that Tyson Fury operated. It was more so giving Dillian White a little space to have a pseudo sense of comfort. And that's why you saw him really going for humongous wailing shots that missed by a mile and then setting him up with an uppercut to finish. Now, I don't, I wouldn't, I'm not going to, I'm not going to give Dillian White, I'm not going to give him like super praise for being a brilliant boxing mind. That's never been his game. Totally. Now he's his style. He developed and he mastered his style, his personal style which got him to that point. But everything that you just said was spot on to the effect of Tyson Fury controlled the distance from the beginning. Yep. He ran Dillian White into so many power jabs, it's ridiculous. And he reduced an otherwise talented boxer at his game, at Dillian White's game, he reduced him to lunging in, mm-hmm. swinging big shots that were never going to land, and eventually poked so many holes in him that he ended up getting knocked out with the very shot that Tyson Fury told him he would knock him out with. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I watch a lot of media scrum. I watch a lot of behind-the-scenes content. I, I watch a lot of training content because I feel like that's where you really get to see the character of who that fighter is bringing to the ring that night, right? 
when you see how they're jabbing the bag or if they're working combinations or if they're on their toes and sparring, the mindset in the interviews leading up to the fight, that's the real person. Because in sparring, hitting the bag, hitting mitts in preparation, you're always visualizing yourself in the fight. Mm -hmm. That's the rawest form of who you're going to be. So I I was recalling an interview where someone asked him, how are you going to be Dillian White? He said, Dillian White has no other choice but to come at me and try and land that big left hook. Now, if he lands, he's going to take my head clean off. Otherwise, I'm going to run him into so many jabs, it's going to be ridiculous. And if I don't knock him out with the jab, I'll probably knock him out with a rear uppercut. And when I saw him land that uppercut and Dillian White hit the deck, I was like, oh, my God. He called the very shot. That type of brilliant boxing mind, we don't make we don't make a big enough deal of that. You feel what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That's like Michael Jordan saying, yeah, I'm going to hit a a buzzer winning, you know, fade away. And that's how we're going to win the game. It's brilliant. You would make a big deal of something like that. But when Tyson Fury tells you what he's going to do and he does it, man, I was geeked. To be fair and be contrarian, I was geeked too. However, he has called his shots previously that have not landed. Yeah. I believe he said in the Wilder trilogy that he was going to end it inside of like four or five rounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe even the second round. It was something preposterous. Didn't happen. There's a lot to unpack, though. One thing that I'd like to is very similar to what Deontay Wilder did. Yeah. When he lost, what did he blame it on? Oh, my garments were too heavy. Oh, <laughs> the costume just weighed me down. And, and look, look, I really let me be clear about this. I love Deontay Wilder. Yeah, I love what he's done for boxing. I love that he brought so much attention to a trilogy that we badly needed as hardcore fans, especially in the heavyweight division. What I view it as the ego of an athlete where it gets you to the highest points of your life. Let's be real in sport, but it can also bring out some of the worst quotes. What I'm seeing from Deontay is similar to what I'm seeing from Dillian White, where he's Monday morning quarterbacking and blaming it on something else than him losing. His quotes via Sky Sports. I was buzzed, but obviously I was trying to regather my senses. This is after the uppercut. And he properly pushed me and I fell over and hit my head on the canvas, which is illegal. This isn't wrestling. This is boxing. I should have been allowed extra time to recover and then carried on fighting. He went on to say via Sky Sports once more. I got caught. Excuse me. I got caught. No doubt about it. I got caught by a good shot. I went for the left uppercut. He went for the right uppercut. He's a bit taller than me. So obviously he landed his at range. I was hurt. I was trying to get my senses together and he full on two handed pushed me. It wasn't like a one arm thing. Terrible job from the referee there, but it is what it is. I should have had time to recover time to go back to my corner but Tyson Fury gets away with a lot of things one of those other things that he's alluding to was I believe in the third round second and third round where the referee really had to get involved because they were hitting each other in the clinch I'm pretty sure what Dillian White will not mention is one or two rabbit punches that he landed on Tyson Fury if we want to nitpick here, but overall, do you agree with my assessment that there's somewhat of a excuse making tour that Dillian's going to go on to try and to try and play defense? Yeah, for sure. Or, or is, should he just accept it and not go over like the phantom push? Well, well, well listen, man, you, again, you know, my favorite quote, boxing is above all the most mental sport that there is. To have a mental edge, he's telling himself the reason why he lost the fight was because of the push and not because of the punch. Now, I didn't go back and watch the fight. I read that quote, but I didn't go back to watch the fight to see if he did hit his head on the canvas after the push. But I know what did hit his head for sure, that uppercut. 
Thank you. And I think that he would have he would have hit the deck. He would have hit the canvas regardless. If there Even if he stood up for half a second, he was dazed. He was dazed. Dazed. And, and a big man like Tyson Fury, when he has you hurt, we've seen in the last two fights with Deontay Wilder that he has a magnificent killer instinct. You don't want a big man like that with free range to land a clean, open shot on you. So to Dillian, I say, um, listen, man, lick your wounds, heal up, mm-hmm. take the three to six month suspension, whatever they slap on you, get better, enjoy that payday. And if you really, really feel like, if you really, really feel like, you know, uh, you got more in the gas tank, go again. Which he probably does. Yeah. He probably does. Well, I, I don't know, man. How old is Dillian? 34. Yeah, 34 is 34 is 34. And Tyson's is, uh, 33. Yeah, and Tyson's retiring. We'll get into that in a second. Maybe, possibly. Possibly. But my, my point is, when you get to that level and you make, what, $8 million? Something like that. Nine times out of 10, Dillian White's not making more than $8 million again in his career. I would agree with that. Unless he, unless he fights AJ again, and it might be somewhere in the range or the ballpark, but he may not make quite $8 million. I was going to say maybe four. Yeah. Maybe five. You know, I was going to say maybe five or six. Now, mm-hmm. if you just got, if you got the steam, you need to get it off, then cool, get it off. But the way I would be advising my fighters at, after a certain age is we've made, we've made some killer money. Mm-hmm. Let's get out of this thing while we got our faculties. We have children we got to take care of. We got, you know, I don't know if he's married, but we got a spouse we need to take care of. And it's okay with retiring with another fight or two left in the tank. You don't have to exploit your physical nature when it comes to this sport. Incredibly true. Obviously, anybody, if they were to make $8 million, train for it, obviously, and work their way, obviously, but get offered $8 million to fight, I would assume most people especially in this country with the poverty rate. Yeah. That is life-changing, generation-changing money. So I do agree with you. But again, we go back to what I said previously, prefacing those quotes. It depends on what he wants to do, obviously. But the ego of an athlete who has worked their whole way getting to this point, I can't hate on them for saying, I got to get back in there. Everybody wants to avenge it. Everybody wants to not retire as, I don't view him as a loser. I view him as a really solid heavyweight. But he lost his last fight. I can't see a lot of athletes going out like that. Yeah, by no means am I saying that Dillian White is a loser. No, 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 I know. Obviously, I mean, just by, you know, his record, he's won far more than he's lost. And when you rate his, when you rate his, uh, resume against some other his contemporaries he oh, yeah. fought everybody mm-hmm. he fought everybody that would fight him right there's only two fights that i would say i would love to see him engaged in at this point in his career and they're both big money fights one would be a rematch with aj yep just to see where the barometer where both of them are the first fight was a classic he hurt AJ in the first one. AJ later, you know, came on to to get the job done and get him out of there. Um, so con- conceptually, they have unfinished business, right? And I don't know if I don't know if you know this. I'm sure you do. You know, Ricky Strom, slick Ricky Strom knows everything about boxing. But Dillian White beat AJ in his first amateur fight. Mm-hmm. His first amateur fight, he had the fight. Anthony Joshua, obviously not the polished Anthony Joshua that we see today, and he beat him. Mm-hmm. So they're one and one against each other in the amateurs and the pros. Maybe they got unfinished business. That would be a good domestic, you know, British fight. I wouldn't mind seeing that. It's also all- also very down the road for AJ because he has he has the Usyk rematch. No idea what's going to happen. We had a differing of opinions of who would win the first one. Second fight. At least in a small sample size, we've seen that AJ can adjust, but there are other variables at play that obviously plagued his opponent. Yeah. So 
What happens there? Don't know. Hypothetically, if he wins, they're going to have to do the trilogy or they could try to lure, in quotes, Tyson Fury back. If Usyk wins, shut up. (laughs) If Usyk wins, AJ would then maybe go back to fighting Dillian. But I don't know. I don't know because we need to see the rematch first before we even make any sort of plan of what Dillian can do in fighting AJ. Yeah. Listen, I agree with that. But that's why I also don't think that that it's that far off. I don't think it's that ridiculous. The other fight I was going to say I'd love to see Dillian White engage in is is against Deontay Wilder. And, Mm. and, and, And I love that fight because you know that it's not going the distance. Um, And both of those guys coming off losses, wait a second, both of those guys coming off losses, I think that they, that, that's a volatile situation. They're both going to have something to prove. I agree with that. And and so Dillian White being the WBC mandatory for so long was in line to fight Deontay Wilder for years and never got the opportunity. I'd love to see that fight. But to your earlier point, if Anthony Joshua loses to Usyk, where else does he go? He's only got two options. One of them is Dillian White. And the other is Deontay Wilder. Is that what you were going to say? It wasn't what I was going to say, because at that point, he's going to have to stay in the domestic space. Okay, so real quick, real quick. You mentioned Deontay. Yeah. And I know we're, we're getting off track here, but I'll bring this back in a second. I thought he was younger than he was. Deontay's 36 at this point. He just had a career-changing trilogy. Mm-hmm. Probably a career-changing trilogy for both guys. More so for Deontay because he got knocked out. Some purists would say he lost all three. What I would like to see, and I know that this is like, the fans won't like to see it, obviously. And it might be a bit of a cop-out. I'd rather see him in a tune-up and see how he does. Because as we've talked about a million times over in our 10-plus year friendship now, I want to see how much those fights really changed him when he gets back inside a boxing ring. I don't know if he's gun shy. I don't know if he is a step slower. Adding his age, the wear and tear of a (laughs) tough trilogy in the heavyweight division. I'd rather see him fight, you know, Joe Blow and then go up against a Dillian White just to have like an idea of where he's at. I think if you throw him in against Dillian, it's up for grabs. Cause I just don't, I don't know. I don't know where he is at. I don't, I don't know if he's two steps slower. I have no idea. I need to see it before I can like analyze it and say he's ready. So the issue with tune-ups in the heavyweight division is that it only takes one punch for sure. And any, and any heavyweight on any given night can put your lights out. And so I would hate to see what we are now experiencing with, with the AJ Fury fight, which we may never see, which is in flux mm. is when you prolong these fights, someone's going to have your number. In, in, in storytelling fashion, Andy Ruiz should have never been able to beat Anthony Joshua, Mm. except for in real life, in real boxing, any fighter can have your number on any night in the heavyweight division. Absolutely. And to your point, we don't know how much Dillian has lost. He got, he took a hard knockout at the hands of uh, Alexander Povetkin. Just took another hard knockout. And now what's reoccurring to me is he's got to learn how to defend that uppercut Mm. because he's been knocked out by two. He's been knocked out by three uppercuts, Mm -hmm. AJ Pavekin and now Fury. He's got to, he's got to learn some defense against that thing. And to the point about Deontay Wilder, three 
brutal fights against Tyson Fury. Mm. And I know we don't we don't look at the first fight as being brutal, but when you go back to the 12th round, oh my gosh. That first fight, that is where that's where the key was unlocked for Fury. I don't have to back up. In the 12th round when he got off the canvas and Deontay was coming in to close the show, he landed a check hook that made Deontay's legs buckle. Yes, he did. And from the from the midpoint of the 12th round to the final he was backing Deontay up, which is how he discovered, wait, I'm the bigger man here. So my point in that is you put him in there against Joe Blow, who's highly motivated to get Deontay Wilder's scalp on his resume. And we may never see him versus Deontay against Dillian White. Let, let me paint a more detailed picture and then I'll move on. A Joe Blow who has like nine losses or 10 losses and is on the wrong side of 30. Just just something, a very beatable opponent, an opponent that he would win 99 times out of 100 because I just want to see. I don't want to throw him to the wolves again. I want to see what he has. Now, to your point about that 12th round, one thing that struck me was the change that he made that was needed for his career and even that he credited. He brought in Ben Davison for the first fight. I invited Ben Davison on the show as well. I would love to get his opinion on this because he has been like more than gracious, not only giving media interviews, but also praising the next guy. Yeah. So Ben Davison was in the first fight, was manning the corner and trained Tyson Fury for the first Wilder fight. John Fury, after the first fight, even admitted that they needed a change in trainer. John Fury, former fighter as well. So they bring in Javon Sugarhill. He's the nephew of the late Manning Stewart. This was a kinship that Tyson Fury had with Emmanuel Stewart, went there early on in his career to Detroit, which is where Emmanuel Stewart is from. That's why you see for the novices, Kronk Jim, on a lot of uh, boxing trunks, uh, robes, what have you. The legacy lives on. Tyson went to Detroit, walked in there, wanted to see Emmanuel Stewart, and they're like, who the hell are you? And he's like, I'm the next heavyweight champion of the world. Where's Emmanuel? Lived with Emmanuel Stewart for three weeks, and they developed that friendship, and Emmanuel Stewart trained him. Unfortunately, he passed. In 2012, Sugar Hill was a former cop at the time, but loved boxing, obviously. Student of the game. Took on a lot of his fighters, including Adonis Stevenson and a guy named Tyson Beard. After that first fight, he brought in Sugar Hill. What did we see from Tyson Fury, Britain, that changed his entire approach in the Wilder trilogy when they made that change after the first fight? Well, I think that he just, he made a mental switch again, boxing being the most mental sport that there is. He said, I'm bigger than nearly everyone that I'm going to get in the ring with. I'm nearly, I'm bigger than every. He's like six foot eight. I'm bigger than every major heavyweight in the division right now. Why am I boxing these guys? Totally. Why am I fleet-footed? Now, what I love and appreciate about what we discover about Tyson Fury in the years leading up to him making this transformation into arguably one of the bigger, biggest punchers in current heavyweight uh, boxing scene is that when you fall in love with your power, you always go looking for the power shot, right? He displayed against Klitschko, against you know other fighters leading up to that, I will box your ears off. I'll mm-hmm. frustrate you. I'll mentally get into your head because he didn't, he didn't, he probably didn't think that he was a big enough puncher, but what changed mm-hmm. in that 12th round was he understood that if I can take the momentum away from a power puncher and force them on the back foot, then I have all the momentum. And when you're fighting someone like Deontay Wilder, who needs to load up on a shot, it doesn't matter if you see that shot coming. You can see that shot coming from a mile away. If it lands on the button, your lights are out. And what he discovered is if I push this man on his back foot, Mm -hmm. 
he's reduced to only trying to find his range with his jab. And if I can get out of the way of the jab, I know I'm a slick guy. I can move my head. Oh, well, then that sets up a world of offense for me. Again, he changed his mentality about who he was. And that's why boxing is such a beautiful thing is because you see MJ dunking the lights out of a, of a, of a, uh, of a gym of an arena earlier in his, in his career. Mm. And then as he gets older, you see him rely on that fadeaway. You see him rely on his jump shot. That is the, is the maturation that we see with Tyson Fury being a fleet footed boxer to them being a very aggressive front foot, uh, one punch knockout artist. Mm-hmm. Um, to your point, there's a lot of bigs in the NBA that have had to learn to shoot the three. This is no longer Shaquille O'Neal, David Robinson, Hakeem Olajuwon, throw it in the post and let him work. So to that point, development is key for almost any athlete to not just be one-dimensional. What I saw from at least Sugar Hill's effect on Tyson Fury was, I agree with everything he said, um, just being more aggressive. I agree with you believing in his power and understanding that he can outbox anybody, but he could also come forward more often and instill that fear in his opponent. So just having that different approach is what I saw. John Fury had a quote on this and it was looking at that there. If he keeps hold of that team, this is after the first Wilder fight. They're going to cost him his career. I'll say it live on TV. This is via iNews. The team being what's around him now, Ben Davison, whatever he's got there in charge of the business, needs to have a look in the mirror and say, not good enough at a high level. It's proved it tonight. And he's right. He was right. 100% right. The saying goes, truth hurts. And this is no knock on Ben. This is no knock on anybody. In order to beat this guy, they needed a different approach. Maybe that approach would have worked earlier on in his career. Heck, maybe that approach would have worked against Dillian White. Who knows? But against Deontay Wilder, they needed this switch. John Fury was right. It was ballsy, but hey, he's probably got three of them at this point with how ballsy he is. They made the switch and it was, it was curtains. It was not curtains. Second fight was curtains, but it was a classic. Listen, man, I, I just, I feel like there are two things I want to say. One, you caught the comment that you made about bigs having to learn to shoot the three. Now that's Mm -hmm. called evolution. Right. And the argument, the age old argument of could this athlete compete with the greats of yesteryear, right. is always a comparison that we'll never truly know, obviously, because we'll never get to see Mike Tyson versus Tyson Fury, Muhammad Ali versus Tyson Fury. But I dare say with Tyson Fury's evolution to being a boxer and doing fleet-footed things, displaying the type of head movement and defense that he has been able to show in some of his earlier fights, the mental aspect of his not only his boxing knowledge but being able to get into an opponent's head and trick them into fighting his fight and then later stages of his career with being able to walk a guy down sustain large amounts of punishment and then land his shots to eventually put a guy out i would say the tyson fury can hang in there with any heavyweight of any era hot take hot take harden you want to call me that i'll take that Okay, but, let, let, let's get into it. Let's get into it then. Here's what Tony Bell, you said. I know I teased this earlier. He said, Fury's in the top five yeah. with George Foreman, okay. Mike Tyson, Joe Frazier, and Lennox Lewis. Yeah. Now, his later quote is something that I agree with, which is, you can't compare eras. It's not fair, and it's just not right. Tyson Fury is the best of his era, and the best of a generation, that can't be disputed. When I was at a former network called 120 Sports, there was a guy who, still cool with his name, is Roe Parrish. 
and we would get into hip hop debates. And I would say, you know, Chronic is one of the best and Illmatic is my favorite and blah, blah, blah. And he said, Rick, you can't, you can't put that up against something that like Run DMC did. Like you can't put it up against something that Kendrick did because it's just so different. Every album represents a different era, especially when you talk about the politics of that era. I know not a lot has changed, but as you said, we have evolved in certain ways and the world changes as time goes on. That is something that I agree with when we're talking about, well, uh, okay, Fox Sports 1, we're going to get clicks and we're going to compare Michael Jordan and LeBron James and who's the better athlete because we have nothing else to talk about, like on the debate shows and stuff like that. I agree with that sentiment. You have guys who are in certain eras. Like, how do you say, like, Tyson Fury is better than Muhammad Ali? It's impossible. Yeah. How do you say, like, Tyson Fury would beat up Mike Tyson? How the would we know? We don't know. They represent different eras. So I, I agree with, like, the latter. The former, I got to be honest, I just... It might be a cop-out. I just don't care to say Tyson Fury is better than this guy who accomplished just as much in his era. Yeah. And by no means was I saying that he was better than any of those guys. I I was saying that I think that he could hang with those guys. In another word, if anyone was to ask me, Burden, who is your, you know, top five, top 10 heavyweight fighters of all time? Of all time, Mm. Tyson Fury's in there. He has crystallized his position amongst the Mount Everest of the great heavyweight fighters of all time, in my humble opinion. Real quick, real quick. I'm, I just had to look. Yeah. So like Tyson Fury is like six foot eight, six foot nine, and like nearing 270, depending on when he fought. Yeah. <laughs> like Joe Lewis is one of the best ever. One of the best ever. You know how big he was? This is why it's impossible to compare eras or um, impossible to say this guy would beat this guy and blah, blah, blah. And like completely different eras. 6'2", 214. You're giving up like 60, 50 some pounds, 50 plus pounds and like seven inches. This division... Let's go back to the word of the day, apparently, evolve. This division has evolved. And I know Larry Holmes was like joking about it and being like, there needs to be a size limit and a weight limit and blah, blah, blah. These guys have evolved to being monsters. Monsters. Dillian White, what did he come in? Like 250, 240 something? Even that's massive compared to Joe Lewis. And, and But listen, massive compared to Joe Lewis and also massive compared to Mike Tyson. In mm-hmm. his prime, Mike Tyson was 5'11", 210 in his prime, right? When he started to start to get a little bit bigger is when we start to see a little bit of his yes. decline, right? Yes, absolutely. I, my, my point in it is just, you know, size is at some point gonna gonna become a factor in any fight 511 218 according to britannica 218 218 what did i say 220 i think about tyson yeah okay 218 is 511 218 is tiny in this day and age yeah and think about how much how, how much height you're giving up well for him it's nearly a foot do so it's nine you know inches. man and, and 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 his impact on the game is just god level mm-hmm. and and i'm not i'm not shying away from that that term that terminology you know what i mean like he just overshadows a lot of guys just by presence alone and impact on the game alone but yeah man these these I think Tyson Fury would have would have hung with the best of them. Um, He's he's in that category. Ever the promoter, he told ESPN, you can't deny it. I'm the best heavyweight who's ever been. There ain't ever been one who can beat me. Six foot nine frame, 270 pound weight can move 
sorry, can move like a middleweight and hit like a thunderstorm and take a punch like anybody else. I have the heart of a lion, the mindset of the Wizard of Oz. Obviously, again, a master promoter and a master with words. Yeah. But he he is right. Because there has not been, at least in my eyes, someone who can move like him at his size. The only person that I could think of mm. is Giannis Antetokounmpo. That's it. <laughs> I've never seen a guy with a 6'11 frame. And also, he weighs a lot now. If you look at his rookie year picture to 2022 picture, everything has developed. Yeah, He, has, he obviously has a great team around him to help build his body. Cause if he had the rookie frame, he would get killed. Dude. I, I, if, I, I'm not even on ESPN.com. I'd say he's like 240. Yeah. 611, 240. I've never seen a guy move like that. But if you go, if you want to go even thinner, Kevin Durant is one of the best shooters I've ever seen. And he's nearing seven feet, but he's like 210. He's skinny for his size. So just like looking at like physical specimens who can move, like they're smaller than they are. Tyson has a point. I thought you were going to say Muhammad Ali. I did not know you were going to take us out of the sport. <laughs> <laughs> you took it to a whole nother sport to find a I'm, I'm, I'm multidimensional. I dig it. I dig it, man. So listen, what do you think is, what do you think is next for either guy? I just want to clarify. This is Wikipedia, so it's probably not right. I'll go to basketball reference. 6'11", 242, so I was wrong. I said 230s, 242. Giannis Antetokounmpo, that is. I've never seen a guy move like that ever. Uh, Your question was, what's next? So I know one thing is for certain. Absolutely for certain. He will... I'll say my thing, and then I'm going to go back on it. He's going to fight for WWE because it's an easy paycheck. What I do find to be interesting, however, is reading through his quotes after the Dillian White fight, there have been times where he has said, it's not about the money. I've made plenty of money. And then he'll spew like the second option, which is the Francis Ngannou fight, where he says, easy Mayweather money. Like, so we have conflicting quotes from one guy really in one night saying I've made plenty, I'm done with boxing, not about the money, and then basically saying that he'll probably do WWE and he's open to the Nganu fight because it's easy money. So there's basically three options. One of them is for certain, which is the WWE because, correct me if I'm wrong, they're going, yep, they're going to be in England, in Cardiff, for the first time since 1993. Oh, wow. That's happening, 100%. 100% that's happening. The second is the, the Francis Ngannou fight. I'll get your take on it in a second, but what, what Ngannou said via ESPN, it's going to be a hybrid fight with different types of rules. You know, MMA gloves in the ring, kind of mixed up, a little bit different. Mm. Like, whatever. I mean, if, if you, if you want to see a guy carry another guy and then basically with the Mayweather model against McGregor, have a ton at the gate, Hype it up. Um, get the buys. 100% that'll happen. And then knock him out whenever he wants. Go for it. I agree. It is an easy paycheck. Uh, the third is coming back into boxing, mm-hmm. where John Fury had a quote after the fight, which I found to be very interesting. Kill, mm-hmm. as in Tyson, will want it. Like, I'll want to continue fighting it. Let Usyk and AJ box it out, and you'll definitely see Tyson fighting the winner of them. He won't be able to resist it. That's via IFL TV. That's John Fury speaking of his son. The fourth is retiring, which I just don't see. Because we've seen this so many times in this sport. Where a guy will say that they're retiring, and then they come back, and then they retire, and then they come back again. It's rinse, wash, repeat. So there are your options. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what it is, man? These training camps are so difficult. The negotiation to get these fights done and over the line are so strenuous that the fighting part is easy for boxers. 
as a boxing manager, trust me, I know it. The ring, in the ring, that's their happy place. Mm-hmm. I get to, I get paid for what I love. I get to get paid for um, the thing that I would do regardless if you were giving me a check or not. I'm going to find a gym. I'm going to find sparring partners. We're going to get it on. It's the dealing with the promoters. It's the negotiating your, your worth. It's the, at any given point, a fight can fall out in a, during a training camp, especially now with COVID being introduced. Absolutely. It's that whole process to getting to the fight that by the time a fighter gets there, especially at that level, when you've made millions, that changes the mentality of, you know what, after this, I'm good. Because I don't want to deal with that. Right. right? So to that point, I don't see him retiring. <laughs> I think that, the, I think that the, the lure of doing that again at home against AJ is too big. Right. We do. Is not it, real, real quick. Allow me to interject. Does that depend on AJ winning? 100%. Mm. And that's what I was about to say. We don't know what's going to happen with this AJ Usyk rematch. Usyk looked phenomenal. And his ability to break down a larger fighter, set a pace that will burn out a man who's obviously bigger than him was so strategic. Like, man, I could go on for another 20, 30 minutes just talking about how brilliant a boxer like to be that to be that outsized to set the pace darting in and out landing shots that you know I, i'm not trying to land anything heavy i'm just trying to poke you and poke you and poke you till i poke a hole and now i'm focused over here until you get a guy which is brilliant i Why, love that why'd you doubt him going into it i doubted him going into it because of the pure size advantage right now I, i'll tell you why i doubted him if that were fury on the other side of Usyk. Who would you have given the nod to? Tyson. Okay. Aside from the skill set, I think this size, we've seen enough fights. Canelo, uh, Amir Khan. Oh, uh, oh man. Uh, Canelo Khan, um, Lomachenko versus uh, Rigo, uh, and so on and so on. Fighters moving up in weight thinking, you know what? I've been able to dominate at my weight class. It's easy for me to go up and wait. Special fighters can do that. Not everybody can. I knew that Usyk was special. I did not know how special he was mm. because he struggled in his two heavyweight bouts prior to that. One of them being against, well, two of them being against guys who are far less the, 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 you know, the ability that AJ has shown on his best night. Right. But the problem is AJ has also shown how much he can get hit and be outboxed by a world-class boxer. Right. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. I was just going to say the same thing that's going to make Fury come back. If AJ wins is the thing that I thought would motivate AJ to take this guy out. I want to fight Tyson Fury. I don't even want to be bothered with you. So I'm going to walk through you and I'm going to treat you like I don't want to be bothered with you. And Andre so does that mean you're taking him in the rematch? I don't know who I'm taking in the rematch. I'll All really right, we'll talk, about, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. I can't call it, but Andre War has a thing. He says, you treat B-level fighters like B-level fighters. You treat guys who aren't supposed to be in the ring with you like they're not supposed to be in the ring with you. You get them out of there. Or you just put on a boxing masterclass. I thought that AJ was going to be so motivated at the prospect of putting 90 plus thousand people in the stands against Tyson Fury, his domestic rival. Mm. He's been calling out Tyson Fury since he beat Klitschko. Mm-hmm. I thought that that would have motivated him to another level, to just to just get big and walk through Usyk. I knew it wasn't going to be easy, but I thought that he could get it done. And ultimately, he showed that he was he was his head wasn't in the game to do what he needed to do. Now he knows what he needs to do. Let's see if he can apply the change. But to my point of what does Tyson Fury do next, 100% he's going to the WWE, which he should. This is his victory lap. I don't want him to get so enamored with the victory lap. September 3rd is the date, by the way. September 3rd in Cardiff, Wales. Okay. 
perfect. September 3rd, Tyson Fury has a date with the WWE. Yep. He, he deserves that. Yes, he, he does. 100% deserves that. Shout out to Nick Khan, who runs the, the WWE. Old mentor of mine, doing this thing. Very get cool. Tyson Fury, get Tyson Fury over there. Get him a check. Get him a bag. Run up the rates. Right? Um, Francis Ngannou. I, I, I love the prospect of that spectacle. I love the prospect of that spectacle. I don't know where the contract with the UFC is. Shout out to my boy, Markel Martin, who is uh, a phenomenal businessman and mixed martial arts agent, who's also Francis' agent. He's my boy. What I know about Markel is if there's, if there's a will, there's a way. He'll figure it out. But I believe Francis Ngannou's contract is going to be up soon. Okay. And they would likely wait because Dana White wants no part of this whatsoever because he knows likely what we know. So when the contract runs out, that's when the floodgates might open speculation wise. But my point is, does he owe does he owe the UFC woman fight? I don't know. And I'm not going to get into the particulars. I'll hit my boy up. He'll tell me the real deal. And if he gives me the green light, we'll talk about it. Right. If not, then we won't. We'll, you know, I'll continue to let people speculate online. But my point is, I know that Francis wants to remain in the good graces of the UFC and not necessarily in the good graces, but he feels like there's unfinished business in the UFC, which I agree with. He knows that there's the John Jones fight. Yes. He knows that there's the, you know, uh, uh, big money in a Steve Bay uh, uh, trilogy. He understands that his job, his work, his relationship with the UFC is not done. If he, if he can't work into his contract that Tyson Fury is uh, one of the bouts that he can take, I just don't know if that thing comes, to, comes into play. Well, technically, if he gets... Because the, the, the crossroads they were at was basically everyone knows how great he is. He's on a winning streak. The only other fight, as you said, is basically John Jones at this point. And he's not getting paid his due. So if he were to do this hybrid super fight, and let's say, hypothetically, he gets $15 Hard to walk away from, even if, hypothetically, you were to say, you know what, I'm good. I did the Tyson Fury fight. I lost, but it would probably take me, let's say he makes $2 a fight. It would take him seven fights to make that, what he would make in one. And and I don't understand. Like, listen, I get. I was watching an old soundbite from Dana where he got frustrated with the media coming at him. He's frustrated with all these UFC fighters saying, "I want a super fight. Put me in the ring with any boxer. It'll be a super fight, bro. You're not a super fight, right?" But Dana is one of the most brilliant boxing, well, combat sports promoters of present day. Regardless of how you feel about it, he's a brilliant combat sports promoting business mind you have to understand the numbers behind tyson fury francis and ghana isn't part of the business mind that is to a fault that he doesn't pay his fighters enough uh I that, definitely, that technically weighs in because that is a huge part of the business yeah well yeah yeah listen listen because his mind is why would i over why would i front load paying a fighter when i can invest it back into the business and in many ways, I'm not saying whether he's right or wrong. He's putting up these different PIs in different parts of the world where these fighters get free training and they get free meals and they get this and they get that. Um, again, not opining whether it's right or it's wrong, but he's proving that when you don't pay your fighters and you invest it back in the business, he in 26, 27, maybe 30 years has grown the fastest growing sport in sports history. So the man knows what he's doing on that front. There is a large discrepancy in, in, in fighter pay and huge, 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 and which is the business why, model. But that is also why when you get these opportunities to create these, call it, if you're thinking, you know, big business, you're looking for a liquidity event. This is your liquidity event with Francis Ngannou. All the money you've invested in him, invested in him by paying him, making him a, a, a partner in the in the pay-per-view that you paid him. This is your liquidity event because you still get your, you know, uh, 20, 30 percent 
of the 15 plus million he's going to make with Tyson Fury. There is no bad business model here. Right. So there's two points. One is he might be, uh, he might be the hot girl you hit up when you were a youngin who's playing hard to get and saying they're not interested when secretly they are. Maybe yeah. that's going to rise the price. Yeah. I don't, I don't really know. We'll wait and see. The other point is going back to this. And then I want to get back to Tyson Fury retiring or not is part of the business model in a capitalistic society and not to go off on a rant here, but, but basically it is crapping on those below you in order to attain more. Now I understand your point of putting it back into the business and what have you, but these are the athletes that do compete and one hand washes the other. They would be nowhere in the heavyweight division without their heavyweight fighters, especially the top tier alpha who's Francis Ngannou, who is not getting paid enough. Basically, on top of that, he also doesn't want them to unionize for many other reasons that are, in my opinion, plaguing what he is doing. I agree, he has built a successful business model, but what you have to do is look at the faults of how they came to being so successful, and this is a big chunk of it. Now, Tyson Fury, is he retiring or not? You say no, correct? I say no. I I think that WWE victory lap, if Francis Ngannou happens, that is only going to, that's only going to, you know, uh, uh, that's only going to ramp up his appetite for combat. Mm -hmm. And if AJ comes through this Usyk fight, they are big if, big if, big, but I think that, I think that Tyson Fury will decide on the night of that fight whether he's retiring or not Mm. he's saying this now because he just came through a training camp he just went through all the brutal training he just went through the strenuous negotiations he had to essentially promote the bout on his own with no participation from dillian white knocks out dillian white there's a lot of frustration and i'm retiring i'm done with this i don't need i don't need it i made all the money a man can make i don't need this on the night that AJ steps in the ring with Usyk. Mm. If AJ does what he needs to do, Tyson Fury will decide whether or not he is retiring, truly. I think he got, I want to say like 43, 38 to 43 for this last fight. Rough estimate, what would he get for an AJ fight? Man. 75? That 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 in my in my estimation, especially if AJ does what he needs to do, like I'll say it is it, it will it is not ridiculous for me to say if he miraculously knocks out Usyk. Oh boy, it would have to be miraculous. Yeah, it would. That's a hundred million dollar fight. What and if it goes to the cards, you're saying it's not. I no, say, no, no knockdowns, but a good fight, similar to the first one. Well, my my point is, I think that uh, to, to 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 capitalize a fight of that magnitude, yes. you not only have promoters who have to put up bread, but you got networks that have to put up capital, as well as likely private investors. And I think that if AJ does what he needs to do, let's say it's a tough fight, he finds his range, he begins to walk uh, Usyk down after you know seven or eight tough round back and forth rounds and in the 10th 10th or 11th fight uh um you know stanza of that fight he miraculously lands a big uppercut that knocks Usyk out I think that you'll have people from all around the world wanting to put money into that fight to make it happen um and if he just goes to unanimous decision then you don't have so much people running to the table to put money on it Tyson Fury did tell Piers Morgan, when is enough enough? I'm happy. I'm healthy. I've still got my brains. I can still talk, which is fairly true. Very, very true, rather. (laughs) However, I I, I wanted to correct myself. It's very true because we do know that he has a way with words. However, big if, if AJ does win, I agree. If Usyk wins, could be a different story. Here's what we do know, though. He did make 12 million pounds 
doing the crown jewel event at WWE. Mm-hmm. Considering that it is in the UK, he yeah. will make a lot more. Yeah. All righty, sir. Well, that concludes episode number dose of whatever this show is. Britain, thank you so much. We done it. You were fantastic we as always. Yeah. A lot more of this to come. A lot more different ways. Uh, me and Rick are talented in a lot of different ways in boxing. And I you know stop that it. it's not humble to like brag on yourself, but it's not. We are going to be hitting you guys with breakdowns. We're going to be hitting you guys with uh, recaps of fights, breakdowns of fights, fully segmented shows, as well as live broadcasted, uh, you know, play by play, blow by blow uh, boxing match. It's going to be a fun ride, guys. Subscribe like share do the do leave a um, review leave, a, leave review, a comment leave a comment engage with us man we're, we're a couple of guys who really enjoy the sport of boxing we'll engage with you when you engage with us uh speaking of that um shout out to my uh my boxing community man who at present day will dm me you know what I mean? Whenever a fight's going on, just to have a conversation and understand. So as this community grows, nothing's going to change. Me and Rick are dedicated to the sport. We're going to be dedicated to you guys as well. Well put. Peace, everybody. Peace.